Please join me first in welcoming our guests tonight. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, first of all, for the invitation to come to uh, the Pan Festival of John Waters. To Anna Hosorum Van Shock in New Orleans, the Cantlive, Fumahil, Fuma, Kudadra. That's just to get you confused about language uh, to begin with. I could say it in German as well. That's the order in, in the reverse way that I had learned my languages. Um, as, as, as John mentioned, I, I grew up in Dublin, speaking German first of all. And then my father, my mother was German. She came to Ireland after the war. Then my father also spoke Irish to us. So we had, he also spoke German to my mother. But the English language, which was spoken everywhere in Ireland, was outlawed in our house. So not a single word of that language, out, which was outside on the street, was permitted in our, in our home. So the effect of that on, our, on us as children was, as my mother described it, a daily form of emigration. When we went out the front door, it was entering into a completely different country. The people spoke differently, they laughed differently, they had different things to say, they had a different memory. They didn't, they didn't remember uh, the same things that my mother remembered. And as a result, I inherited a German memory. In fact, the feeling I have, even still, is that of running around the streets of Dunleary and Sandicove in the suburb of Dublin, but that the map was sort of a little bit out of register, that I actually was running around on the streets of Kempen, which is the town that my mother came from. <coughs> I knew all the, I knew where the bakery was in Kempen. I knew all the streets. I knew how to get around there. But I was slightly lost. I think we were quite lost on the streets of Dunleary. That's the feeling we had, that we weren't in the right country at all. And it even goes so far as to have the memory that my mother called the shoemaker. We still had shoemakers at the time. My mother called the shoemaker the Schuster. I had no other words for this man except der Schuster. Uh, so I actually thought the shoemaker was German. <laughs> and that's how confused I was in, in this Irish, German, uh, English uh, childhood. Um, I'm going to illustrate some of that uh, by, by reading a few passages. First of all, from the book, and then a passage also from the play, which I've recently adapted. Um, first of all, this passage about a delivery of coal coming to our house. Men came to fix the boiler. There was some more brown tea and milk <coughs> on the floor of the kitchen, but then it was all over and the pipes started heating up again. My father puts lots of coal into the boiler so the house gets warm. Then there was a delivery of coal. A truck stopped on the street outside and because they couldn't go around the back, the men with black faces and black hands had to come through the house. 
My mother was afraid the wind would slam the doors shut in anger, so we had to hold them open. Franz, my older brother, at the front door, me at the in-between door, and Maria, my younger sister, at the back door. My mother told us to count the bags as they came in. In Ireland, she said, people count in their heads. But in Germany, people count out loud. So out loud we counted eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, all the way up to 15. The men walked in, stooped over with the heavy sacks, leaving long black marks where the sacks scraped against the wall on their way through. And where they went down the three steps towards the kitchen and out the back door, they put a black hand up every time to hold onto the door frame. One of the men winked and made me forget what number I was on. I didn't know if I should be counting the sack that was coming or the sack gone by. But then I heard Franz counting the next number at the front door and I was able to catch up. When the shed outside was full and the coal was spilling out across the path, the men got back into the truck. One of them counted the empty sacks as if he couldn't trust us to count right. He came back inside with a pink piece of paper covered with black fingerprints and asked my mother to sign her name. That was to make sure she agreed that there was no mistake in the counting and that nobody ran away with one of the empty sacks. But there could be no mistake because we counted out loud in German and the man counted the empty sacks in English and we had the same number no matter what language. Um, I wanted to um, also read this short instruction for cake making. My mother brought her all her cake baking skills from Germany with her, along with all her humour. Uh, in my family, it was the Germans who had all the humour and all the Irish people who were all the serious, earnest people. So my mother had to get around my father's severity. He was an angry man. He wanted to do something for Ireland in a hurry. And so my mother had to calm him down. And these are her instructions. It's almost to him, these instructions. Um, first of all, you have to mix the butter with the sugar. You have to do it hard, my mother says. But after that, everything has to be done very gently because you don't want to make an unhappy cake. If you bake in anger, it will taste of nothing. You have to treat the ingredients with respect and affection. You lift the mi mixture and you slip the beaten egg inside the way you would slip a love letter into an envelope, she says, and then she laughs out loud. You fold in the flour with air kisses and you stir only in one direction, otherwise people will get a taste of doubt. And when you lay the mixture into the baking tin, you place a piece of brown paper all around the edge and another flat piece of across the top to create a dome that will keep it from burning. And once the letter is posted and the cake is in the oven, you have to be very quiet and wait. You don't trudge around the house shouting and slamming doors. You don't argue and you don't say a bad word about anyone. You whisper, 
you nod, you tiptoe around the kitchen. So that's how she got around my father. Um, you can imagine with the three languages that we, we picked up a bit of English from the street, from the radio. You know, my mother used to love singing the Nat King Cole songs and all those things, and, and then she would have to switch off the radio very quickly when my father came in. Um, so my impression of ch my childhood is that you know, there were specific rules. There were the Irish language rules that my father was, was uh, very severely putting in place in our house. There were the German rules that my mother had that she brought, these kind of very strict rules of honesty. You know, you never told a lie. And that was probably not the best advice for an Irish child growing up. <laughs> and then there were the rules outside, um, the English language rules outside. So it was basically for us children uh, a big confusion. So it's not uh, difficult to understand that we got all the rules mixed up and that we <laughs> actually began to play one set of rules off the other, the Irish rules off the German rules and everything like that. And my mother often also used the rules to, to rescue us from my, my father. So this is a, a scene about <coughs> where I just suddenly got the idea in my head to throw mashed potato at the ceiling. <laughs> I, I thought it was a great thing to do. Um, anyway. <coughs> At home, my mother says, we have started doing strange things. When it's nearly dinner time, she told us to put the bowl of mashed potato on the table. My father was talking to her in the kitchen, and she was listening and cooking at the same time. So I decided to carry the mashed potato up to the room where we play in, and I took the lid off. With the spoon, I threw a bit of mashed potato at the wall. It stayed there, and we looked at it for a while. I threw another spoonful at the ceiling, and it stuck there as well. It made a strange sound each time, like a click. It made a different shape each time as well. Something sometimes like a little cloud, sometimes with a spike pointing downwards. Maria said she was going to run and tell on me, but I told her that we had to make a sacrifice. I closed the door and said it was our duty to do this for Ireland. <laughs> we had to make as many shapes as we could. Franz took lumps out with his hand, and together we tried to cover the whole ceiling. Sometimes a lump came unstuck and fell down again, and Maria screamed. We laughed and threw more and more of it up until it was all gone and the whole room was covered. My mother came in and saw that the glass bowl was empty on the floor. She said we were going out of our minds. My father rushed into the room and looked at the bits of mashed potato on the ceiling and said they would never come off. They would be there forever. <laughs> we were in, the, in real trouble now. But my mother wouldn't let him hit us. Instead of getting angry, she said, you couldn't punch a thing like that because it happened only once in a lifetime. <laughs> my father was still frowning, but then she put her arm around him and said, it didn't matter going without mashed potato for one day. She said, they were lucky to have children 
with such an imagination. <laughs> she smiled and said, you have to have an imagination to do something as mad as that. <laughs> so I'm going to finish off the reading with the same scene but in, as I have developed it for the play. First of all, my father comes onto the stage wearing beekeeping gear. That was one of his great uh, enterprises to uh, start a bee colony. Um, the father enters from the right dressed as a beekeeper, wearing a beekeeper's mesh covering his head. The boy enters from the left, tracking the father as he crosses the stage. Boy, now is the time of the bees, and everybody is getting stung. The father kneels down on one knee and hands, with his hand on top of the hive, facing towards the audience. Father, we'll show them. We'll show them that we have no weakness, no fear and no weakness and no history holding us back. They said it was my limp, something in the family, big crowd outside the house, standing in the street, waiting for my father to be brought out. They said I was not right on the head either because I had a limp from birth. They didn't think I was going to be where I am today, with my own family and my own bees. They're going to be afraid of us now. They're going to be afraid of us and there's nothing they can do to stop us flying out across the walls. Now. Father stands up and steps back to admire the hive. He removes the beekeeping mesh from his head. As he takes off his long white gloves, he begins to look at the ceiling. He steps back further towards the centre of the stage, peering up at the ceiling from various angles. Father, Irmgard, come and look at this. Mother enters from the left. Mother, what is it? Father, honey, come here at once. Boy comes running forward. Boy, yes? Father, did you do that? Boy, what? Father points up. The ceiling, look at it. Mother looks up. I don't believe it. Father, we'll never get that off. Mother, have you gone out of your mind? Boy, yes. <laughs> Father, did you do it? Boy, no. <laughs> Father, I don't believe him. Mother, honey, is that an Irish no? Boy, yes. <laughs> Mother, yes. Boy, no. Mother, an Irish yes. Boy, no. Mother, a German no. Boy, yes. <laughs> Father, angry. Who else would have done it? Mother, honey, be honest. Did you throw the mashed potato at the ceiling? Boy, no. Mother, is that a silent yes? Boy, no. Mother, the silent negative. Boy, yes. Father, barking. Answer the question, yes or no. Boy, no. Father, he's lying. Mother, honey, you can never tell a lie. When somebody asks you a question, you must always tell the truth. Boy, yes. Father, he's going to be punished for this. Mother, why did you do it? Boy, for Ireland. <laughs> Father, the stick. Mother, no, wait, Sean. He said it was for Ireland. Father, what? Mother places her hand on the boy's shoulder. Mother, 
You must believe him. Father, this is absurd. Mother, it's artistic. Father, mashed potato. (laughs) Mother, that's the whole point. You have to have an imagination to do something that makes no sense for your country. (laughs) Father pointing up, how is that going to help our country? Mother, it's the principle, Sean. Father, is this what they do in Germany? (laughs) Mother, he's doing his best. Father, doing his worst, you mean. Mother, look, sometimes he gets it wrong, but you can't punish him if he did it for Ireland. (laughs) Silence. Father looks up at the ceiling, then down at the boy. Father, was it for Ireland? (laughs) Boy, yes. Father, is that the truth? Boy, yes. Father, the Irish truth. Mother, the German truth. Father, the only truth and nothing but the truth. Boy, cheerfully, yes. (laughs) Mother and father continue looking in rotation at the ceiling and at each other and at the boy. Father puts his beekeeping mesh back on again and walks off stage. Mother, only you could think of something as mad as that, mashed potato on the ceiling. It's like something Franz Kaiser would have done. Your grandfather went into the bakery one day and stuck his finger into a cake and lifted it up. How much is this, he asked. They told him the price. She mimes holding up a cake on her index finger, then wipes it off. Too expensive, he said, and he put the cake back. But then he smiled and bought the cake after all, and he bought cakes for all the children on the Buttermarked Square. Mashed potato. Thanks very much.